The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, live in studio on a cloudy Thursday afternoon. Are we in Seattle? I'm going to keep asking until I get an answer because it sure enough feels like we live in the Pacific Northwest right now. Dylan behind the glass, we're joined by David Lesky inside the crown at 315, talking about the Red Hot Royals. Five dubs in a row. Don't call it a comeback, baby. They're about to go and win their sixth game right now, up 6-0 to zero in the bottom of the eighth. What do you think, Dylan? There are only 41 games under 500. <laughs> they do this every damn year. The Royals are buns, and then in August they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give people hope. Then what happens the start of next year? That hope is shattered, and we do it all over again. Dylan, how are you doing back there? You look like you're having some fun messing with those headphones. Yeah, I'm really trying to figure it out. But also, we would need, I think, two Moneyball streaks just to get to 500. Am I correct in that? I think. What constitutes a Moneyball streak? What was it, 27 in a row? The record? The Cleveland, uh, o- I believe Cleveland, Oakland, Cleveland. I think broke it. They beat. They broke the winning streak record against the Royals, if I'm not mistaken. After Moneyball, yes, maybe. L- long. I'll look it up right Probably. now. You know what? No, I'm going to prove a point, Dylan. Long, um, and I think it was against the Royals. Longest win streak in ML. Oh, gosh, son of a twenty. 20- Two games by the Cleveland Indians. So we need two of those. And it was against the Royals. I remember yeah, that game. You're right, you're right. The Royals now were I'm, about to win and they blew it. Um, so yeah, we need two of those just to be 500, right? They also, if you want to count the New York Giants in 1916 of 26 games. Oh, that also counts tie games. That's that's lame. Okay. No. Doesn't count. Sorry. This is America. What were they doing back in 1916 having ties? It's Cleveland. Yeah, so they win, I don't know, 44 games in a row. Uh, that's two games over Well, that's 38 more games now. So they've already won six. Well, about to win six. Okay. That's okay. only 38 more games in a row. That would move him to uh, two games oh. under 500. <laughs> 38 more games in a row. That'd be 42, three games under 500. Uh, that that's it. Come on, that's all we need. It's all they need, baby. It's possible. <laughs> this is the most positivity we've had about the Royals in a long time. Yeah, because Bobby Witt Jr. is absolutely raking. It's fun when the Royals are actually playing legitimate sports. Up against like promising. the New York Mets, who, uh, granted, they've traded everyone. But you see Bobby Witt Jr. hit a bomb. You see Drew Waters hit a bomb. Bobby Witt Jr. is on an absolute heater. You're seeing Brady Singer, who's thrown eight innings today, giving up only three hits without walking a guy. Like, 
You see this. You see Michael Garcia at the top of the lineup going two for three. You see this, and you say, all right, there's some building blocks here. And then you look at the record and say, wait a minute. Look at the calendar. Is it August? Oh, it's August? Yeah, Yeah, this is what the Royals do every single year. And usually this is also the month when the good teams play their worst as well. So also factor that in. Oh, I forgot. Uh, I'm still doing this uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football Draft. What uh, what pick do you think we're on right now? What round? I would have thought you were done with this. Oh, yeah, we would have thought, huh? We would have thought. 25 rounds. You are allowed up to four hours in between picks. What round do you think we're in? 19. Starting the 21st. Wow. Dude, there is still one, two, three... Five more rounds. Now that you think about it, though, this is probably going to be longer because every like us yesterday, just in that brief moment, we were just debating on who to take, and there was literally there wasn't really much. So these are these are going to be tough. I imagine trying to find something and be committed and, and <laughs> happy about it. So that's probably the why last five longer. picks I've made. We, this is way too many people to have in your roster. I get his dynasty all that stuff. This is a lot. Last five. Ryan Tannehill, Clyde Edwards Elayer, Hunter Renfro, which I think was pretty pretty smart actually. Yeah, that's that's, actually that's pretty bad. astute, yeah. Kyle Trask, quarterback for uh Tampa. I'm saying, hey, maybe Baker goes down. Maybe I mean, like, did you see that video of them throwing to routes on air? Yeah. And air was winning. Yeah. Yeah. So uh and then Isaiah Hodgins for the Giants. That's how far down we're getting into. Trask might play, like for real. I'm so not kidding. If Trask plays, uh, if he's good, if he's any good, it's a dynasty league, baby. Trade. But that's what happens when you do a 25 round, and that's again. I have five more rounds to go. I'm gonna be drafting it. Leonard Fournette, dudes, we're not even on rosters. How do you even draft defense in fantasy? Did Jimmy Graham go already? Jimmy Graham, I don't know, man. Let me check and see if it, that might be something you, to pick dead last round. You think Jimmy Graham just last round if you have nothing else? Why you think that's going to be smart? You think he's getting PT over uh, over Kyle Pitts? He's on the Saints, right? No, I'm talking about on my team. I got Kyle oh, Pitts, Dalton I, I, Schultz, no, yeah, and Tyler right Higby. All right, let's see if Jimmy Graham is still available. Hey, Albert O. I can draft Matt Schaub and uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, you might be better off doing Gronk. I think Jimmy Graham's already been been drafted. Maybe. Can I get this guy? He's owned in seven percent of leagues. Incredible. 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 I don't even think I'm able to draft him. Like I, 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 I mean, I can draft him, but I don't know uh, how far down. I mean, I think legitimately Rob Gronkowski is ahead of him on these boards. Which, quite fr- quite frankly, is very impressive. That, who's drafting Gronkowski at this point in front of a guy who's actually on a roster? Insane. Uh, Turk Wharton returned to the Chiefs. Uh, he was originally placed on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. He returned today. Uh, we're still waiting 
on Chris Jones, and he put out a very cryptic message on, what was it, Instagram? Don't know if you saw Chris Jones's cryptic message, but um, it's nice to see Turk Wharton back. The Chiefs need every single body they possibly can. Um, he had been sitting out of all on-field activities uh, going back to last year. He tore his ACL in Week 5 against the Raiders. He has been uh, resting, rehabilitating his leg. Um, so this will be nice. I don't know when he will be ready because it sounds like he was just getting healthy. Right, It wasn't a case of strengthening his body. It was a case of, hey, is this dude even good to go? Uh, so we will wait and see when Turk Wharton will be re- uh, ready to actually give it a go. But nice to see him back at camp uh, today. Good to see. Uh, when it comes to Chris Jones, did you see this? This was on Chris Jones's Instagram. It's a song by Kevin Gates. Do you like Kevin Gates? You big Kevin Gates guy? Yeah. yeah he's pretty, pretty good, right? Very he got good. some songs that I wouldn't play in front of my grandparents, but... Uh, there's a he's got a no skip. By he's, any means, he's got he's got some songs, no skips when you're with the with the fellas. Some skips when you're with your uh, your parents or your oh, grandparents. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't play. Don't, even, uh, don't even play it. Uh, <laughs> this is a pre-workout or pre-sporting event. Yeah, I do. Before basketball, sure. I have my AirPods in. I'm like, oh yeah, baby. I don't get tired. I got two phones, and then a whole but plethora of other songs that again are um, again. Not radio friend, uh, friendly. Yeah. Uh, song Jam goes hard. This is a song called Walls Talking. Okay. Stone Cold Jones. Chris Jones tweeted or uh, Instagrammed this out. He says, Guess all good things must come to an end. I hate this. What in the 16 year old girl are we doing here? I hate when NFL athletes are so cryptic. Why? Maybe he loves this song, not doubting it, but also, you know what you're doing. I find this very, very high school. I don't know if you have any strong thoughts on this, Dylan, but I think it is so incredibly silly. It is so high school So, look at me, look at me. I mean, it's just just the game that's being played. It's just all part of the negotiation. He's trying to get the fans to be, and and what we're doing, we're getting scared. Everyone's, oh boy, he's not going to sign. He's not going to, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Maybe. This This is almost more telling to me that this will be fine more than anything all good things come to yeah he wouldn't post that if he posts that that's just wild again they're just both trying to uh, it's politics baby guess what guess what's coming out next what the first offer the chiefs made somehow somehow some way we're all about to find out well we 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 gave him this yeah we but i don't maybe not because i think that chiefs are really trying to sign him and that would piss him off yeah but he's playing the game now because i think he knows that yeah he knows the chiefs won't counter it and he knows that by posting this but he wants to be here i i just hate this whole cryptic stuff it drives me insane it's how they do it it's almost i know that it is 
I know. I, I almost hate myself for saying this, but it is like their only point of leverage themselves. No. Come out and say it. He is. If you want? No. He just put it on. It put it, it may, on a lyric. It, maybe it's all good things coming to an end, like this holdout's coming to an end. It could be a multitude of things. I just get so frustrated with these cryptic messages on social media. I I think it's very very high school to me. Love Chris Jones. Had a chance to talk to him. Uh, great dude. But man, stop putting these cryptic messages on social media. All athletes. All people. Say it with your chest. Take a quick break. We'll come back. We're joined by David Lesky, Inside the Crown, home stretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Let's play ball. It's game day. We want strikeouts, base hits, double plays. Take the field. Hear what the in the creed the is this? Is this creed? Was this a real thing that Creed did? Absolutely. When was this? And where was I? This video was published 12 years ago, and this beautiful piece, I don't know when it actually debuted. Wow, incredible. David Lesky, uh, Inside the Crown, we are bringing him on just to discuss Creed and the merits of this song. Lesky, how you doing? Uh, I gotta go. Come on! (laughs) Take us higher! Sterling... Lesky, we are welcoming you on this show with arms wide open. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> Serenity now. We lost it. <laughs> uh, how are you, Lesky? In all, in all honesty, how are you doing that the Royals are now about to win their sixth game in a row? Yeah. Um, I don't really know what's happening, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, no, it did. Look, there. I I write about the Royals. I talk about the Royals a lot. And when they're losing, it's not fun. <laughs> I mean, well, there, there are there are sort of fun bad teams, and there are not so fun bad teams. And this was a not so fun bad team for a uh, hundred four games this year. <laughs> and and the last five point you know nine three or whatever. <laughs> Is when you know this one's over. This one's over. Let's let's call a spade a spade. They put in the position player to pitch, but the Mets did, not the Royals. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a lot more fun over the last six games. <laughs> the one thing that cautions me to get excited, and I'm not saying that there's not stuff to get excited about. I want to talk about the young guys exploding, especially Bobby Wood Jr. I want to obviously talk about the trades. Uh, before we get to the fun stuff. A slight cautionary tale is this feels like every single year. Uh, oh, the past. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I knew you were going to say that. Are you ready for this? I would love to be ready for this. Since 2004, the Royals, <laughs> you're going to love this. There have been five seasons since 2004, excluding 2020, because there was this is about this is the first and second half thing. Um, so no 2020 in here. So that's 18 seasons. Five of those 18 have featured a second half where the Royals improved their winning percentage by at least 40 points, and it was over 450 after the break. Five out of 18. So you think, hey, this has been done, and this is, this is every single year, except for it's not. 
it's less than a third of the time. It the sure two, feels two like the last three years or so, this has been the the M.O. And maybe yeah. and maybe I'm wrong as far as what you're telling me right now, but in the past three seasons, it sure feels like they've either gotten better or more exciting the second half of the year when they're already out compared to the first half of the year when, obviously, excitement still reigns. Well, we'll take 2018 and 2021. Um Although 2021 may not have been one of those years. I can't remember. But because I, I did put the caveat, they've been better in second halves. So th- there's more than five times. But I also think that you're not getting excited about a team with a 412 winning percentage in the second half. Yeah. You know? So like that's why, that's why I put it at 450. It's enough to be shouting distance from 500, all that good stuff. So it really is not nearly as common as as people think, because I, I, I was, I looked that up earlier because I kept saying typical Royals putting it together in the second half. No, it's actually don't do that that often. Actually, it just, um, and I'm, I'm not sure that they're doing it this year. They have a nice stretch, which is look, the A's won seven in a row at one point two. So it's, it's doable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I was ready for you. Yeah, you're ready just to bring me down. I appreciate it. Lesky, always prepared, okay? No, bring you up to bring you up. Bring me up? Oh, well, fine. Time. I'm up right now, okay? I've had a long day. I got up early and I'm doing this. I'm in a fancy football draft that has four hours between picks, so I'm constantly up. Uh, but, all right. I want to get into the trades before we get into the actual on-field stuff. Let's start with the first trade. And if you guys want to all read about this who are listening right now, make sure you go to Inside the Crown. Inside the Crown. Make sure you go there and subscribe. He breaks it down in great detail. But let's start first with the Ryan Yarbrough trade. As he heads to the Dodgers, the Royals acquire Devin Mann and a name I am going to butcher. I apologize in advance. Derlin Figueroa. I think you got it right. Derlin Figueroa, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Good job. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, I want to say, I want to make say something overarching because I think that I've seen, I've seen some people, and look, this, this is a bad season. They're they're about to be 35 and 75 after a 16 winning streak. <laughs> So I think that it's it's fair to have some healthy cynicism. Um, I see a lot of people kind of rag on the returns for most of these guys. Let me let, let's put it this way: the Royals traded forget Earl Chapman. We we talked about that so much, and yeah. we can get to that because because of Cole Reagan's yesterday, of course. But the Royals traded Nicky Lopez, Ryan Yarbrough, Jose Quas, and then Scott Barlow. What were you expecting them to get back? <laughs> it's not like they're going to go and get back this, these, these absolute monster number three prospects in all of baseball or anything. And so, anyway, so what I want to say about Ryan Yarbrough is, is you look, the returns have to be um, just have thought about in the context of, oh, there was a shutout. Um, the Royals have to be thought about in the context, the returns have to be thought about in the context of, uh, of who they traded for them. And Ryan Yarbrough was outstanding. He really was. And, you know, the fact that he was even pitching um, was incredible. He got hit in the freaking face. <laughs> like yeah. he, had, he had facial facial bone fractures, all that good stuff. Um, and he came back, he pitched really well. He gave the Royals an opportunity to trade him. Also, Eduardo Rodriguez gave the Royals an opportunity to trade Yarbrough. 
because they still needed somebody because he exercises no trade clause. Yeah, that was the and, wildest thing I have seen. Hey, you want to go on a contender? Nah, I'm going to stay in Detroit. You know what, though? Good for him. He negotiated that right. He negotiated that right to say no, and he didn't want to move his family. Yeah. I get it. Um, anyway, so now that I've said that, the return for Ryan Yarbrough, uh, yeah, Devin Mann, I think he's an interesting player. A little older than you'd probably want in the, at the deadline. But again, let's, let's use context. It's Ryan Yarbrough. <laughs> yeah. um, he can hit. He can play around the diamond. He is not He's not a defensive utility player, but he can play a lot of different positions well enough. From what I've uh, what I understand, he's okay, pretty good, pretty okay at second, pretty okay in the left. He's fine at first. He can probably handle third. He's played some shortstop. He's got good plate discipline. He's got some still a pop. He's a nice player. He's kind of what you want Matt Duffy to be, but he's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not that you care about Matt Duffy because he's a thirty-plus-year-old minor league signing, but um, I, I think that. Um, that, that he's a really interesting return there. Would not be surprised, actually, if you see him in place of Matt Duffy sometime relatively soon. Mm. So he's interesting in that I think he can be a big league contributor. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys who you can, you can put on your bench and feel good, I think, moving forward. Um, Darwin Figueroa, to me, is probably the most fascinating because he, he is listed as a shortstop, um, he has not played shortstop though. <laughs> so, so it's really funny that, that he's called a shortstop and then he's played first base and left field. Maybe, maybe some right field. Too, you know who else was like that? Franchi Cordero. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, by the, yeah. Was he listed as a shortstop? Yeah. Originally, he played shortstop like a few a few uh, times oh, in the month. A long time ago. Yeah, he was listed as shortstop. Okay. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Figueroa's got some athleticism. He's got, I mean, you saw the videos, I'm sure. The swing is, there's some torque in that swing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not a big guy, but he's not, I think he's, I think he's still got some room to grow. He's 19 years old, so maybe not. But um, there's some serious, serious power in that swing. And I, I, I think he's interesting, and I, and I think about the Dodgers a lot, because and I'm not saying he's Jordan Alvarez. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that. You're going to say that I said that, but I didn't say that. But the Dodgers gave up Jordan Alvarez for Josh Fields a few years ago. But if you remember Josh Fields, you're about the same level of degenerate that I am. Yeah. So yep. it's uh, it, it's not not a name you will remember. And then you, but you probably know who Jordan Alvarez is if you're listening. So I think that um, the Dodgers they will trade pieces that end up being really good actually kind of an admirable trait in an organization because they are willing to actually, you know, we're not worried about players succeeding elsewhere, but I, I I'm, I'm really excited to see what Figueroa can do. I kind of hope they get him below a at some point. I don't think, I don't know if they will, um, but he's a really interesting return. Yeah. So you said the Royals got uh, Jordan Alvarez and a other major leaguer and Devin Mann. Pretty good return for Ryan Yarbrough is what I'm is what I'm gathering here. Uh, yeah, yeah, David yeah. Lesky joining us right here. Uh, the home stretch, and then I, I would say the the big tw- uh, big trade. Obviously, Jose Quas was the smaller one. We'll get to that one in a second. But the big trade, as you mentioned, was Scott Barlow. Maybe two years later than he should have been traded. Finally traded for Henry Williams and Jesus Rios. Uh, Henry Williams looks like he was the number ten 
second-gen prospect in the Padres system. Scott Barlow had a price, according to J.J. Piccolo. They had a, 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 a they wanted him. They wanted Henry Williams. Yeah. They were not going to budge is what I gathered from his post-trade comments. What do you make of this move? I liked it. Um, yeah, he would have gotten more last year. And, and, you know, being a general manager is just exceedingly difficult because let's look at the Jorge Lopez trade from last season. And now, in, in hindsight, it looks a lot better than it did at the time. But we both agreed that if the Royals were offered for Scott Barlow last year, what the Orioles were offered for Jorge Lopez, mm-hmm. they were right to say no. And Cade Povich has become a pretty good prospect. Um, to know obviously has emerged yeah. in a way that, nope, the Royals wouldn't have gotten that out of them. Um, the Twins weren't getting that out of them. So I, I think that there are um, – it's fair to say, okay, that's fine. But the problem is they held on because they didn't get the return they wanted, and then the, the value dropped. Now, I don't think the value dropped when people thought it did. It dropped from season to season. It didn't drop from his cold stretch before. Not If it did, it wasn't very much. So, you know, it got to a point that they, you know, they made a mistake. And they, they fixed it. <laughs> not, not as well as they could have had they just not made a mistake. But they, they made a trade for a legitimate pitching prospect. Um, now, Williams is not without warts. He is coming back from Tommy John. His velocity isn't back. And until it comes back, you don't know that it will come back. Yeah. Everybody assumes it will. I mean, I have not spoken with anybody who thinks, well, I don't know. But, you know, one of those things. Until it does, it hasn't. So he's a risk. He's a big risk. But if it does, when it does, whatever you want to say there, he probably catapults to, I don't know, second or third best pitching prospect in the organization, which – Maybe damning with faint praise a little bit, but sure. also, look, <laughs> no matter what, it's still really a quality return for a guy who you have no no future with. Um, I like that deal. I like that deal a lot. I, I I may have wanted a little bit less of a lottery ticket on the second piece. Jesus yeah. Rios. I don't. I don't. I can't find anything on the guy outside of about 18 innings in what was it like the Dominican League or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and and honestly, like I've asked people, and most of them go, I don't know. I heard he has a pretty good fastball. <laughs> <laughs> like, like people who are plugged in and know prospects, Royals like his spin metrics. Um, and I, the 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 conversation around him and Williams also is what's maybe the most encouraging about the organization because they're looking at things that matter. And they haven't looked at those – well, they at least haven't publicly looked at those things in the past. So, yeah, I thought that was an interesting return. Um, again, would have been nice to get more last year, but you know, the, you, you play it, – it's a risky game. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's it, – the Royals turned out wrong on that gamble. But if Scott, if they trade Barlow for that package, and let's say they did, they did their Royals thing last year with Povich, and Cano doesn't become anything, and all that, and then Barlow goes to, I guess in this case the Twins, which I don't, probably makes the scenario a little bit odd. But and, and he puts up a one three seven ERA, and they trade him for something better, then the Royals were wrong then too. And so yeah. you know, it's not. There's just no guarantee. No, and again. I- 
The thing with Barlow is at some point it becomes a sunk cost. We can talk all day long, and I know I've harped on it a lot about how he should have been traded earlier, but just because he should have been traded earlier doesn't mean you, sh- you need to hold on to him and not trade right. him now. They did the best they could, in my opinion, with what was given at this exact moment. Yes, they yeah. should have traded last year, but at this moment, this is what the offer was. I want to compare it to the Paul Seawald trade, the other, because I kept saying I personally didn't think there was going to be a ton of – a ton of interest in Scott Barlow, not just because the the cold stretch, but because he's a closer that throws ninety three. That well, I wasn't. There, there was actually quite a bit of interest in Barlow. There wasn't as, as much interest at the level the Royals wanted. Sure, but my thing was, and that maybe where I'm coming from as far as I think people kept comparing him to other. I don't want to say top of the line closers. Yeah, but but you know, I, I would say these above average guys, and I go, there's only really one closer who has comparable quote-unquote stuff, that's Paul Seawald, another 93-mile-an-hour closer for the Mariners. Now, Seawald has typically had better better numbers, right? He had a really good, it was a 2.93 ERA this year, 60 Mm -hmm. strikeouts and 43 innings, and he had a pretty interesting return. What did you make of the difference between Paul Seawald and Scott Barlow, or have you had a chance to even look at that return? I thought Williams was better than either prospect the Mariners got back for Seawald. Um, but I thought the overall package for Seawald was a little better because the second piece was not that far off from the first, I thought. Yeah. In the Seawald and I can't remember who the name is. It was it um, was it was Canzone, not to me not to be uh confused with Calzone. I also said it should be noted that Canzone should play for Houston. Um, just on that out there. Uh, and then a guy whose last name is Bliss, who has a second baseman who has an OPS of over a thousand, uh, who's five foot six, which is uh, wild. Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's over his head right now. But he's like, well, literally, he's five foot six. I mean, yeah, he probably is over his head. Well, everything else is over his head. He's not over his own head. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are two prospects in the teens and rankings. Um, you know, take rankings for what they are. I, I, I think that there's a really inexact science there. I know that the people who put them together are dedicated and, and are, are on it all the time, but I think there's there's some grain of salt to be taken with all of that. But and so, yeah, I, I think that both, I think that Williams is better than either of them, but the two of them together are better than the two the Royals got for Barlow, which I, I kind of like that compromise. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, with Williams, you are you're taking a risk. This is not this is not a sure thing. This is not trading. Well, Cole Reagans, I think you know he's a big leaguer. Yes. Like I think you knew you were getting a big league pitcher with him. With Williams, you don't know. But if he makes it, and you know, if if the nuts and candies and butts and all that, you know. But if he makes it, he has a chance to be a number two or three starter at the big league level. So. I don't know. I, I like I like the compromise there. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the Nicky Lopez trade, we don't have to harp on this too long. I know that you've probably gone on a lot of radio shows already since then. Uh, but it was Nicky Lopez for Taylor Hearn, a man who was DFA'd six days before. Uh, seems to me like a money-saving move, although the Royals obviously are not saying that because the only logical conclusion you come from that is if you were going to DFA Nicky Lopez, then that means that he was your 40th man. That means that yeah. he was on the 40th roster. He was the 40th guy on the 40-man roster. Makes no sense to me. And you 
know me. Not a big Nicky Lopez guy. I think he's fine on a really good team. Doesn't make a lot of difference on a team like the Royals. Currently, I've always said Chris Getz with a good eye. Obviously, he's a much better defender than Chris Getz was. And then the other move I actually was a huge fan of uh, was Jose Quast, which I thought, yeah. what? That came out of left field for Nil- uh, Nelson Velasquez, who is a legitimate big league prospect. What did you make of those two smaller moves? So the Lopez one, I, I've come down off the ledge a little bit on just because just from talking to some people, I kind of have the, they got the impression that yeah, Lopez was going to get DFA'd. There wasn't a move out there. Um, so this move saved them some money. And look, we can talk about, oh, they're cheap, this, that, whatever. I don't have a problem with a team saying we'd rather spend $1.3 million than 2.7 or whatever Lopez, I don't know, sure. whatever the numbers were left on the yeah. deals. I don't really have an issue with that. Where I have an issue with that deal is just don't take Hearn back. Trade him for whatever. Trade him for a a, a rookie league prize. I mean, I, in my article, I literally pulled up the Braves Dominican League team and picked randomly typed two names. I don't know which two names I typed. I literally don't remember the names I typed because it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to dump him, dump him for whatever. And if the Braves say, well, we want to save that money, give them the same money. You don't need Taylor Hearn. And I, and I understand that they have a million. I mean, they're, they don't have a 40-man roster crunch. Let's be real. Yeah. But they don't need Taylor Hearn on that 40-man roster either. Just just give them the cash <laughs> and, and, and pay down whatever it is. But so that, that, I've come down on it because I, I at least understand why they made the move. I just don't like the move. So there's that. The cost deal, Nelson Velasquez is really interesting. I was looking at some of his – uh, batted ball metrics on baseball savant from his limited time in the big leagues this year. That dude hits the ball hard. Yes. <laughs> he has legitimate power. Um, he has not played well defensively to date, but everybody I talk to doesn't really understand why, because he's got all the tools to be a good defender. Now, look, MJ Melendez has the tools to be a good defender, too, and he hasn't been. So, uh, Edward Olivares has the tools. Honestly, he's, got a, he's fast, he's got a pretty good arm. You know, all this stuff and hasn't. So it may never materialize to them. But for Jose Quas, again, this is the context of the deal. For Jose Quas, yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know how you don't trade a role of theirs once you, once you acquire Nelson Velasquez. Yes. But that, that's another story because I, I think that he's a younger version with higher upside. And what are you doing with Olivares? He's He's the one guy. I guess not the one guy. There are a few guys I would have done this for, but he's one of the few guys who I look at and I go, "Yeah, I'll trade you for seventy-five cents on the dollar." You know, I, they want to they want to hold out on Brady Singer, who is outstanding today, by the way. Yes. They want to hold out on him. Okay, I get that. <laughs> get what you can. Everyone <laughs> there is probably not a Royal in twenty twenty-four. There's just no reason to not trade him in there. Teams who could use him. Is there a guy I, I want to? And you're probably knowing the guy I'm thinking of right now that you can comp Nelson Velasquez as. I know it's probably too easy. He's a little bit smaller than the guy I'm thinking of. Um, maybe a poor man's version of Jorge Soler. Is there? I thought you were gonna say that. <laughs> is that what you thought too? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. I don't necessarily see that because I, they're they're different hitters. I think I think Velasquez has a better hit tool. Okay. Than Solaire, but he has big power. I, I don't think I think Solaire's got more power because um, that's look we don't we don't 
talk about him enough in the like true best power in baseball. He just doesn't access it enough. And when he, but when he does, I mean, he gets on a run. We, we saw it here. We saw it in Miami earlier this year. He's kind of struggled a little bit lately. But, you know, he is – I mean, he has some of the best power in baseball. And I don't think Velasquez is quite there. But, but yeah, I mean, you can see some parallels, and not just because it's a Royals-Cubs trade. So, it, it, it's interesting. And, and I think that, you know, when you look toward – 2024 and you start to see how this team fits together with Nick Prado and, and Vinny Pasquantino. If, if, I mean, I think Pasquantino is not going anywhere, but if Prado is still with the team, I think there's a chance that there's a move there, but you start to see, okay, these are some lefty bats, MJ Melendez, Kyle Isbell, M- Michael Massey. I don't think Velasquez is a righty bat. Fits really, really well with these guys. Fits in with their the age group and all that. And I mean, there's, there's a, Mac Petrero is happy to move his lineup around. There, there's a way to fit this all together. David Lusky joining us right here on the home stretch ESPN Kansas City. Cole Reagans was just phenomenal last night. That was uh, very, very uh, enthusiastic to watch. It's the enthusiasm I had watching Cole Reagans, all those strikeouts, the control, um, really, really enjoyable. It's very rare when you see a young Royals pitcher all of a sudden do this with, again, I won't say consistency. It's been, what, two starts for Cole Reagans. But the early returns are at least positive. What did you make of that in Cole Reagans and in general here? Yeah, he was great. Um, I thought I was a little bit worried watching the game at the beginning because it was kind of – well, it rained pretty hard, actually, at the start, um, or right before the start of the game. And then it kind of drizzled off and on for a couple innings. And I think you saw in the velocities that um, like they, Senga and Reagan were having a hard time throwing harder, and I think part of it was the moisture. Um, but I loved how he kind of figured it out until it dried up a little bit. And more importantly than anything, any one of his nine strikeouts, any one of the, the six shutout innings, whatever, any, any piece of this game, the slider, I think, says more about both the player and the organization than anything else could have. They picked him up on June 30th. He made, I think, two starts in Omaha. He came up for that spot start in the doubleheader. Went back down. I think he made two more, I want to say. And in the the fourth start, the se- so the second start after he was sent back down, I'm, I'm looking at the metrics on, on Baseball Savant because they have AAA metrics now, and I'm going, that cutter is not a cutter anymore. That's a slider. And it was still classifying as a cutter, and it classified as one last night too. <laughs> and, and, and he, was, he, he said after the game, he said, yeah, that's, if, if it's lower velocity, it's a slider. If it's higher, it's a cutter. Um, the Royals gave him a new pitch, and he figured it out in the span of like a month. And it was so good that he got swings and misses off big league hitters against it. Would that have happened last year? No. no. <laughs> the, the response the Royals would have had is, well, get your cutter better because that's your pitch. Every other organization says, hey, that cutter is not so good. Let's, let's replace it with something. The Royals did not do that, but now they do. And I think that that, more than any result, is encouraging for, for the future of the organization. And the future of Cole Reagan. He knew that pitch. I wrote after his start against the Rays, which was good on the 15th. 
he needs a swing and miss pitch that he can get a swing and miss with two strikes because they're fouling too many balls off. It's the problem that Duffy had. It's the problem that Daniel Lynch has. It's the problem that Giordano Ventura ran into when he didn't have his good stuff. It's a problem that a lot of pitchers run into. They can get to two strikes, but they cannot put a hitter away. Well, it looks like Reagan's might have that pitch now. <laughs> and he did it in a month. Really, probably not even a month because they probably took a couple of first to evaluate what he had before they started making recommendations. So that's really encouraging. I want to bring something because I think everyone likes comps. And it's easier for people to, to wrap their head around these unknown quantities. I don't think he's Randy Johnson. Stop saying <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, you got you had Jordan Alvarez. Apparently, I have Randy Johnson. I was going to say a little Danny Duffy-esque. As yeah, far, oh, yeah. As far as maybe not a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, but the mid-90s, the slider, the changeup. Obviously, they're both left-handed, which makes the, the – con- it's very easy when both dudes are left-handed. Like, I'm a left-handed golfer. I basically have Bubba Watson, Brian Harmon, or Phil Mickelson to go off. I have no other options. But with Cole Reagans, part of me sees a little Danny Duffy, the strikeout numbers when he's on, but also maybe the um, the wildness when it when it's not the, the potential to go to a lot of full counts when it's not all coming together. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and you know he's a young pitcher, and so look, his next start I think is going to be Monday in Boston. That's a really tough place for a left-handed pitcher to pitch. Like that. That monster is 45 feet from home plate, I think. And <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a very, it's an intimidating place to pitch. It, he might struggle. And that's okay if he does, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's, he, he's going to have his ups and downs. But I appreciate the fact that he is willing to try different things immediately. He is having like some success as a starter in AAA. And he still said, yeah, that's fine. You give, you give me something to work on, I'll work on it. And he did, and he got it right. And, and that's that. And it's just it's very encouraging for, like I said, for him and for the organization. J.J. Piccolo, first legitimate you know, trade deadline as the GM. I know last year he had the title, but let's be real. It, it, it was still Dayton. He was still looming yeah. over him. What did you take away in totality first trade deadline, I guess first half season for J.J. Piccolo so far? Um, I want to put this the right way because I don't think it was great, um, but it wasn't bad. And, and I don't want to say it's fair either because I think it was better than fair, somewhere between fair and good. Um, I really liked most of the trades that were made. I think that Again, a couple guys could have gone. I think that you trade Edward Oliveris for kind of whatever. I, I don't know if there was a market for Matt Duffy. I would not be surprised if some team would not trade a 21-year-old in A-ball or a 22-year-old in A-ball or something for him. Just for experience, a guy who can hit lefties, all that. Um, so I would have probably been a little more proactive on that front. But I also really appreciated his comments after the deadline, which he was pretty open. And pretty well honest about what he was trying to do, what they talked about. Um, they discussed deals for players that Dayton Moore never would have allowed. <laughs> I mean, truly, it was, you know, you're ne- Dayton Moore never would have picked up the phone for Carlos Hernandez. <laughs> he would have been like, no, I don't, you're not, no. He has, Five years of whatever is control at Formula Four it doesn't matter. We're not trading him. He's just figured it out. Why would we trade him? They talked about Hernandez. 
he never would have traded Brady Singer. Never. And they didn't, obviously, but mm-hmm. they talked about him. And come on, Salvador Perez? Yeah. <laughs> that, that never would have happened. And J.J. McCollum not only talked about him, but he talked about talking about him to the media. Yeah. So I was really encouraged by – and look, it hasn't happened. So I'm tempering that, that enthusiasm. But I really liked hearing the, the inner workings of this deadline for J.J. For McCollum and the Royals. And it, it has me kind of jazzed for – for the for the offseason because I I said this before but if you look at the roster let's let's call it June 29th because that's when Chapman was traded sure well he traded the 30th but if you look at the roster from June 29th and compare that with what we'll see on March 28th boy I I don't know how many players of the 26 from June 29th will be on the March 28th roster um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was like 12 yeah. And we want to talk about transactional. That is turnover. Before I talk Bobby Witt Jr. with you, I have to ask, Salvador Perez is now getting some run at first base relatively consistently now. One, do you like it? And two, Freddie Fermin is continuously raking. I, for one, said maybe try and trade him because I don't see his, his market getting any hotter than it currently is. You know, he's, what, 28 years old. Maybe I was being a little bit uh, uh, too op- optimistic. Other teams probably see the same thing, saying, hey, we don't think this is going to continue. I don't know if a, you know, uh, what's that, nearly 800? OPS is going to fly with him. What do you make of Salvi at first and then Freddie Fermin? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting because they Freddie Fermin needs to play more. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 plain and simple, I, I don't know. I don't know how sustainable it is. Um, you know, he's, like you said, he's, he's an older guy, 28 years old, getting his first taste of the majors. But after today, 296, 338, 489. He had a 124 weighted runs created plus. And while that seems crazy, he also hit 304, 448, 674 in AAA. He hit 270, 365, 480 last year in AAA. I mean, this is not like he hasn't been doing this. So I think he's, I don't know. I, I, I think he, I don't know if this is for real, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to fall off to be a, a nothing bat. And his defense behind the plate has been fantastic. He's got to play more. And right now, the Royals don't have a first baseman. Tasquitino's out for the year. Prado's hurt. They could, they have Matt, Matt Beatty on the roster, and they could call somebody up. They can call up Logan Porter, which I wouldn't have a problem with. Um, but you want to get these guys in the lineup. Salvi at first base makes some sense. And then you start to look toward next year and see this is why not. I think there's a pretty good – not pretty good. I think there's a – better than you'd expect chance that Salvador Perez will be traded in the offseason. I think it's very possible. You don't, you don't talk that much about it without knowing that you can get there. Um, but you look to next season, I think it shows, hey, maybe, maybe Nick Prado isn't in the plan. Maybe you just throw Pasquantino at first and Salvi at DH and flip him sometimes and, and Salvi behind the plate and, and all that. And maybe, you know, maybe, there's, maybe there's something to that, and that's, that's the future for Salvador Perez which keeps him out from behind the plate so much, keeps him healthier. But we see what his bat does when he's rested and healthy. Yeah. And we see what it does when he's not. So I, 
think it could be the future for him. Yeah. Uh, finally, before I let you go, Lesky, Bobby Witt Jr., obviously he had those two back-to-back games going four for five, a couple bombs, then again today, three for four, two runs scored, two RBIs, another home run, and took a walk. I mean, I'm not saying this is sustainable, but we're seeing the peak of what happens when Bobby Witt Jr. gets hot. Yeah. How impressive has he been? And again, I want to keep reiterating uh, reiterating this. His defense improvement year over year has been incredible. That really needs to be talked about more in his development so far. He is, right now, the way he's played since June 1st, 2nd. They had an off day. I think it was June 1st. So June 2nd. He has been a star. Not a good player. A, an absolute star. He's playing great defense. He's hitting he, he's doing everything. He, he was 15 for 27 on this homestand. That <laughs> like, that bad players can get into hot stretches. I don't know that they can get to 556 with 13 RBIs in six games. I just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there maybe there's an example out there that's happened. But hey, Scooter Jeanette hit what four home runs in one game before. That's true. He's actually a pretty good player, actually. You know, <laughs> I said actually twice, so that means it's really true. Um, but, but yeah, what Bobby Witt is doing is everything we hoped he would do last year, everything we hoped he would do in April and May, it just took a little longer. And, um, you know, that's okay. And what, what, what's happened here, and this is something we can talk about another day, maybe an off-season conversation, um, he is put the Royals on the clock yes, because they have roughly two years to work out a deal with him. Um, either get an extension done or he's got to get shot at the 2025 deadline. <laughs> Those are your options because that's the time to trade these guys is with two years and two months of control left. We saw what Juan Soto brought back. Not that he will necessarily bring back that same haul, but um, you know, if he keeps on this, track he would that's that's the deal that that's that's the timeline you've got to have him signed for 10 years before the 2025 trade deadline and the clock's now ticking Mm. makes me nervous makes me nervous hey they've talked (laughs) i I can tell you they've talked so (laughs) lesky let's get it done baby all right and you get two percent and i get two percent there we go I think that's you can have one. Okay, deal. Uh, David Lesky, Inside the Crown. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DB Lesky. Make sure you go to Inside the Crown. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you get some of the best, if not the best, Royals coverage out there. Lesky, always a pleasure. Thanks, Sterling. Well, I'll actually keep it right here. We've got a couple minutes left in the show today. Who would have thought, Dylan, that I go along with Lesky, okay? I think we're all better for it. We're so. all better for it. You'd rather listen to Lesky than me. Damn, am I not impressed by what the Royals have done over the past six games. By what some of the quote-unquote building block pieces have done. Tiny sample size. But you now look down at what Bobby Witt Jr. has done. And as Lesky mentioned, the past month, Bobby Witt Jr. hasn't been a good player. He's been a superstar. He's been carrying the offensive load for this team he's back in the two hole and that defense is staying strong I'm with him to an extent I wonder if this Salvador Perez at first base is a case of showcasing what he can do for other teams 
Or maybe it is just a roster crunch where it's like, hey, we got no one to play first base right now with Vinny Pascantino out for the year and Nick Prado also injured. You got to get Freddie Fermin back there. You got to keep him behind the plate because he has been so good. Drew Waters, my guy, hit another home run today. And by the way, three RBIs. You love to see it. This is the home stretch here. ESPN Kansas City out tomorrow, out next week. We'll be back at some point. Until then, we are out.